Welcome to episode one of Counting Sheep, the podcast where we read stories and drift off to sleep. I hope this recording finds you warm and cozy under the covers in a soft bed somewhere out there in this cold world. I hope that you're ready for sleep after a long and exciting day. Take a second now to get ready for sleep and arrange your pillows the way you'd like them. Make sure your blankets aren't all twisted up. And find a comfortable position (laughs) to lie down. Do you have a glass of water? Do you have a dog to cuddle with? Have you set an alarm on your phone? Have you brushed your teeth? I've just brushed my teeth and had my St. John's wort. And I've just donned my bonnet for the night. And I've laid down in bed under the covers with my dog here next to me. Tonight, oh, I forgot to say, I, this is your host, Jake Pease, and I'll be reading to you tonight from Stories Guide to Raising Sheep by Paula Simmons and Carol Acarius. Chapter One, Starting with Sheep. Sheep are the dumbest animals on God's green earth, our neighbor avowed, with a vigorous shake of his head when he saw the newest additions to our farmstead. His belief is not uncommon. In fact, sheep are love-hate animals. People either really love them or really hate them. And the people who really hate them love nothing more than to malign them. But sheep don't deserve the bad rap they've received. They fill a niche that needs filling. They provide economically efficient food and fiber. They eat many kinds of weeds that other livestock species won't touch. They're relatively inexpensive to begin raising. And they reproduce quickly so that a minimal capital outlay can yield a respectable flock in short order. On top of all that, sheep are simply nice, gentle animals watching a group of young lambs charging wildly around the pasture or playing king of the hill on any mound of dirt, downed tree, or other object that happens to occupy space in their world has to be one of life's greatest joys. Admittedly, there are some difficulties to raising sheep. They think fences are puzzles that you've placed there for them to figure a way out of. Their flock... Their flocking nature can sometimes make handling a challenge. Although they're less susceptible to many diseases than other critters, they're more troubled by parasites. They're also vulnerable to predators. But with the help of this book, 
Even a novice can learn to manage the negative aspects of raising sheep while enjoying the benefits. Some background on sheep. Scientists consider sheep to be members of the family Bovidae, which includes mammals that have hollow horns and four stomachs, ruminants. All sheep are in the genus Ovis, and domestic sheep are classified as Ovis Aries. The human need for animals isn't new. Food, fiber, traction, or the ability to do work such as pulling, pushing, and carrying. And companionship led humans to domesticate animals more than 15,000 years ago. Dogs were the first animals to be domesticated, but humans bonded with sheep and goats early on as they settled into agriculturally based communities. Both sheep and goats were domesticated about 10,000 years ago, according to the latest theories. Biologists believe that modern sheep are descended primarily from the wild mouflon sheep of Western Asia, although other wild sheep, for instance the Uriel of Central Asia, may have been mixed in since domestication took place. Some breeds some breeds, such as the Soe of Europe, still retain many of the characteristics of their wild ancestors, but modern breeds have changed substantially. Traits of wild sheep include naturally short, fat tails, coarse, hairy outer coats, short, woolly undercoats, and great curling horns on the rams. Wild sheep are endangered or threatened throughout the world. And then here we have a picture of a sheep, or a drawing of a sheep. And it's labeling its different parts of its body. The point of hip, the loin, the paunch, the pole, the shoulder, the brisket, the foreleg, foreflank, belly, rear flank, the foot, pastern, the rear leg, the twist, the thigh, the dock, and the rump. Anatomy of a sheep. Sheep farming today. The last, the last several decades have not been especially kind to, to the North American sheep industry. The total number of sheep has continued to fall. In 1995, there were over 10 million head. As I write this, in 2008, the number is just over 6 million. Considering that around the middle of the 20th century, there were over 50 million head in the United States, this decline seems especially disheartening. The numbers of U.S. farms that report having sheep hit bottom in 2004. Since then, there has been a slight increase in farm numbers, with the growth largely reflecting more small-scale producers who keep 25 or fewer breeding ewes, while the number of commodity-scale producers, large-scale sheep operators who keep hundreds or even thousands of breeding ewes, continues to fall. In spite of the increase in smaller flocks, however, 
Most sheep still come from the largest operators, primarily in the western states and in the western provinces of Canada. According to the Sheep Industry Economic Impact Analysis, a report prepared for the American Sheep Industry Association by Dr. Julie Stepank Shiflet in 2008, Quote, about 2% of sheep operations account for one-half of sheep and lamb production in the United States, unquote. Yet small flocks and shepherds will be better able to respond to changes in the marketplace in coming years. Globalization obviously has a lot to do with the seemingly endless downward spiral of our sheep industry. Most lamb in the grocery store and offered on the menu at restaurants come from foreign sources. New Zealand and Australia are the top two exporters of lamb to the United States. But I'm ever the optimist, and there are some factors that seem to suggest better times ahead for shepherds. Historically, wool was a major driving force in the sheep industry. But as synthetic fibers replaced wool in most of its traditional uses and warehouses around the world became clogged with surpluses, domestic producers began focusing more on lamb and mutton production for the meat market. Those who are able to direct market their lamb, especially, are seeing fairly high returns for their efforts. A growing number of producers are also pursuing sheep for truly alternative markets, raising dairy ewes for the production of sheep's milk cheeses, using sheep in land management for their excellent weed and brush control abilities, or raising and marketing pet sheep. And a small dedicated number of producers still focus on wool production as their primary emphasis but many of these concentrate on producing high-quality fiber for the hand-spinning and specialty wool markets, which are actually seeing a renaissance as unprecedented numbers of women and men are committed to taking up the time-honored skills of knitting, spinning, and weaving. One particular bri particularly bright spot, in my opinion, is the increased awareness of consumers who ask, how was this animal raised? How was it handled and processed? Where is it from? Or was child or slave labor used? These educated consumers still want to eat lamb or wear wool, but they also want to be assured that their purchasing choices reflect their personal values. They care about the state of the environment and the humane treatment of animals. They support family farmers as integral members of our society who help maintain our countryside with the, quote, rural character most of us recognize as important. They care about the aesthetic qualities of farmland viewscapes and the wildlife water quality, air quality, and other keystones of sustainability that a vibrant and healthy rural place embodies. In fact, consumers have shown time and again that they are willing to put their money where their mouths are. The slow food movement, 
the locavore movement, the grass-fed movement, see resources for website addresses, and the exponential growth of the organic marketplace in recent years all demonstrate the heightened awareness among consumers of the social and ecological issues that surround the food we eat. Country of origin labeling, or COOL, is another exciting development for U.S. shepherds. Included in the 2002 and 2008 farm bills, COOL became mandatory on September 30, 2008. It requires retailers to notify their customers of the country of origin of the lamb and mutton they sell, as well as to provide notification on a number of other commodity products, including beef, pork, chicken, goat, fish, and shellfish, and perishable agricultural commodities and nuts. The implementation of mandatory COOL is expected to boost domestic sales of American-raised commodities dramatically, and I think it will be particularly beneficial for the sheep industry, not only shepherds, but also the myriad support for industries that are crucial for getting their products to consumers. For example, the Sheep Industry Economic Impact Analysis Report shows that, quote, for every dollar of lamb, mutton, wool, or sheep's milk produced, an additional $2.55 is generated that supports linked industries and jobs in this country, unquote. Like consumers, restaurants, restaurateurs, and chefs, through organizations such as the Chefs Collaborative, are using their voices to advocate for family farm producers of sustainability and humanely raised meats, and they are showing increased interest in lamb. A recent study by the American Lamb Board indicated, indicates that increasing numbers of chain restaurants are offering lamb and that almost three-quarters of the high-profile white tablecloth restaurants regularly offer lamb on their menus. Global energy economics are changing rapidly, and as the cost of shipping products from foreign ports to North America increases, the economic situation for producers here will most certainly improve. This change will particularly benefit the commodity producers who have challenges direct marketing their lamb to consumers or chefs. And as the green building movement continues to expand, environmentally friendly uses of wool, such as in insulation and bedding, will also help provide more markets for wool. Vertical Integration Vertical integration occurs when large multinational companies begin controlling all facets of production and marketing. Though some small-scale producers successfully use the concept of vertical integration in their own operations, producing not just lamb or wool, but also consumer-ready products such as specially processed meats and sweaters.
Typically, when a market segment becomes vertically integrated, it's very hard for small producers to exist in that segment. The poultry and pork industries are good examples. The sheep industry, on the other hand, hasn't been taken over by corporate giants, so small producers who can produce by using low-cost methods can still remain in the black. In fact, if you're willing to market your own product, you could do quite well. Homestead flocks. Sheep are especially good animals for small property owners who don't have the space to raise cattle, but want some kind of livestock. Five to seven ewes and their offspring can typically be run on the same amount of land as only one cow and calf. Sheep can graze lawns, ditches, woodlots, and orchards with full-size trees only. The sheep will eat dwarf trees if you plant them. Starting small gives you the opportunity to gain low-cost experience. If you start with fewer sheep than your land will support, see chapter 3. You will be able to keep your best ewe lamb each year for a few years at least. After a while, as your purchased ewes become unproductive, they can be replaced with some of your best lambs. Although a homesteader may occasionally sell a few lambs or fleece, normally the flock is raised primarily for personal use. Providing your own meat and some fleece for hand spinning and for a 4-H project for the kids are among the reasons homesteaders choose to keep a few sheep. Typically, these flocks are small, usually no more than a dozen ewes and a ram. Well, I hope you've drifted off to sleep by now, and if you have, good night and sweet dreams.